Ronald Acuna Jr. in the offense lead the Braves to a series win over the Angels. Max Fried is back, and we'll take a look at the league leaders from the month of July. All that on today's episode of Locked On Braves, so let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jacob Mastriani, and you can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. We'll have our mailbag episode on Friday, so be looking out for the tweet from that main account, lockdown underscore braves, where you can submit your question to be answered on our Friday Mailbag Podcast. Make sure if you're new and watching on YouTube, you hit that subscribe button. We're almost to 6,500 subscribers. Hopefully we'll be there by the time this episode drops. If you're watching there as well, hit the thumbs up button. and help support the show. Thank you so much for all those who do that each and every time. Shout out to some of our everydayers, those who make Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. We got B Games, Leland Hurt, uh, Timothy Mitts is an almost everydayer, so I count it. Andrew Coleman, the only Rias, Ian Green Greenolds says an everydayer for two years now. That's fantastic. Garrett Clemens, K Reader, Gary Gibson, Ivan from Puerto Rico. I love hearing uh, from people who listen from all over the country and outside as well. David Searles, Joshua Britt says he's pushed liked on every button or not every podcast. So thank you so much for doing that. Push all the buttons if you can. Ryan from Maine, Wit Dog, and Floppy Toppy. Thank you so much for being every dayers today's episode is brought to you by ebay motors this episode of locked on braves is a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit same with your vehicle so for parts that fit head to ebay motors and look for the green check stay in the game with ebay guaranteed fit ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only on today's episode we're going to recap a wednesday's game a 12-4 win over the Angels, a series-clinching win. We'll discuss all of that there. Get into our July League leaders in our Through the League Thursday segment, and then a little bit of news update. Max Fried coming back, Charlie Culberson, maybe not, and Ben Heller option as well. We'll discuss those a little bit later in the podcast. But let's start with Wednesday's game, a 12-4 win over the Angels offense during a day game. Wins. During a day game, these are things I think we take for granted this year, but last year it was such a struggle to really, you know, win day games, obviously, as we know, but for the offense to really come out like they did in this one, it's not something we saw a lot last year in day games. We've seen it more this season, but I just want to point it out because it's something we all griped about a lot last year. And again, with this offense, the way they're going right now, it doesn't really matter what time of day it is. Uh, they just seem to put up a bunch of runs, 12 runs on 12 hits and six walks to just four strikeouts. They had a little bit of a lull there where they were racking up the strikeouts, really going back to that first Milwaukee se series in Milwaukee. Uh, and really those two series in a row there, we're starting to see the strikeouts come back up a little bit. But for the most part this season, Braves have done a much better job of cutting down their strikeouts, changing their approach with two strikes, still big swings, but looking to drive the ball the other way. We saw Michael Harris do that some. We've seen Arcia do it a lot in, throughout the season as well. 
you know, facing Giolito, who I talked about yesterday, he's either been really, really good. He, I think it was 14 starts of two earned or less, but six starts of four earned or more. So he'd either been really good or he'd been really bad. And for the most part, he'd been really good. But now in two starts with the Angels, not so much. And the Braves really tagged him on a Wednesday afternoon. Your leadoff hitter and your nine-hole hitter combined for six hits, seven runs, and five runs batted in. That is just incredible. And not many people, not many teams have a nine-hole hitter of Michael Harris and a leadoff man of Ronald Acuna Jr. And those two guys hitting back-to-back. And that's why I love them hitting back-to-back like they do. Again, maybe you put Michael Harris in the two spot and that doesn't change much. But again, I hate to really mess with that, even though there's obviously a case to be made for Michael Harris to move up in the lineup or up in the in the order. It's just I love having those guys back-to-back the way that they are. And it's such a deadly combination. And this is why... This team is so dangerous in the postseason. Yeah, I know they have some pitching issues. We'll talk about those in a second, even though I think those will be addressed with guys coming back. But this offense, I mean, you think about a pitching staff trying to go up against this offense right now, and there just aren't any easy outs. And yeah, they might have a game like Monday where just not able to string some hits together. Maybe the hard hit balls they do have. You know, some bad batted ball luck and go right to hitter, right to fielders. But again, you give them a five, you know, best of five series, you give them three games, three to five games. And this offense, they're going to break out at some point and they're going to put up a big number when they do and they can score in bunches. It's just such a dangerous lineup, top to bottom. And again, you have them pretty much go quiet in this series for a game and a half. And then it's just they can put up again a bunch of number of runs on you and some crooked numbers really quickly. And you just know at some point in a series, they're going to break out. They can change a game with a swing of a bat just like that, whether to get back in a game or to put a game, put a game away as they continue to do on Wednesday. Um, it's just truly special. Obviously what Ronald's doing at the top of the lineup is historic. It seems like every time he hits a home run or steals a base right now, he's doing something that either hasn't been done ever or hasn't been done in a really long time. Uh, He was hitless coming in in the series, coming into the game on Wednesday, and then he gets the scoring started with a three-run homer to dead center. Giolito got away uh, with a pitch. I don't. He was either a a changeup or a slider that he left right over the plate that Ronald swung through. And then he did it again, a changeup that stayed right down the middle, and Ronald didn't miss it this time and crushed it to center field for a three-run homer, his 25th of the year. I believe the stat is that he is the first player since Hanley Ramirez in 2007 to have 25 home runs and 50 stolen bases. So, again, every time he's doing something on a baseball field right now, it seems like it hasn't been done in a long time or if not ever. Exit velocities for exit velocities for Ronald in this this game: 112.5 miles per hour, 110.6 miles per hour, and 107.9 miles per hour on his hits. And then the ground out he had was 93 miles per hour. Again, he's among the best in all of baseball at hard hit rate, and he continues to do that. You look at the top exit velocities in this game. In this series, you know, it was a matchup between. Two of the best players in all of baseball and Shohei Otani and Ronald Acuna Jr. And I think you can throw Matt Olson into that as well. Otani had the hardest hit ball of the game at 114. I mentioned the ones by Acuna, 112, 110. And then you had Matt Olson at 110 mile per hour line drive that almost knocked out 
uh, somebody's hamburger in right field. He crushed it on a line. Michael Harris had 108.5 mile per hour exit velocity. Acuna, the 108. And then Otani, another one at 106.5. All those were hit. For, all of those were hits. Fortunately, Otani's were both singles, but the stars really shined in this game on Wednesday. You had Otani and Acuna going head to head, both of them with just some insane exit velocity numbers. Matt Olson in there as well. All the home runs, all the runs scored. What really got me excited on Wednesday was the good base running that I saw. I'm always looking at the little things. You know, I, I focused a lot on the defense and just the, the little plays that aren't made that make a big difference in the game. Base running's another part of this, one of those little things that adds up. I love Rosario and Arcia moving up on a, a pass ball, a ball where check swing by Michael Harris, so you couldn't really tell if it was a foul ball or not. The catcher missed it. It went off his glove. He kind of lost it under his feet, and then a heads-up base running by Rosario and Arcia to go uh, to take a base. So instead of first and second, where you got a potential double play, it goes to second and third. Angels have to bring the infield in. Made it a little easier for Michael Harris, who shot one over the shortstop position for an easy RBI there. An aggressive send by Ron Washington. I don't want to question the man, but you can't send Arcia there. You got Acuna coming up with less than two outs. You can't send Arcia there. Fortunately, wasn't a great throw. Arcia made a terrific slide uh, in order to, to get around it. But Ron Washington is back at third base. And then Acuna, he twice, he tagged up on fly balls uh, to center field. They took advantage of Jordan Adams, his first big league game. He was overthrowing everything. Uh, but good job by Acuna tagging up from first base a couple of times there, taking the extra base where you can. Those are the little things I'm looking for with this team. We know, obviously, how powerful they are. They're going to rely on the home run ball, but I love to see them do the little things to help them win a game as well. Might not have mattered in this one. It was 12-4, but certainly you know, a much closer game. You know That could help, help the Rays pull away as they did in this one or get back in it. What about some rest? I wanted to bring this up as well, and I don't want to. I don't want to harp on this too much. We've talked about it some. The idea of, you know, giving guys a day off here or there, and that's not really what I want to focus on here. I, I'm at the point now where, and they talked about this on the broadcast on Wednesday as well. These guys want to play every day, and it's not like they're going up to Snicker and saying, "Hey, I need a day." That's not the case. And if it were, then Snicker would give it to them. Maybe the manager has to take that decision out of their hands sometimes, but these guys want to play every day. They're not saying they're tired. They're not saying they need a rest. If they want to play, then let them play. Who's to say, and, and this is the point that I've made, who's to say taking a day off in, in August or one day or two days off in July really keeps you that much fresh and healthier for September, October? I, I don't know. Again, I'm waiting on somebody to send me the data that, that proves that. So if these guys want to play, let them play. My thing is here, with such a big lead late in a game, why not get these guys out of there to avoid a possible injury like we almost saw with Ozzie Albies in a seven-run game in the ninth inning? He, he nearly twists his ankle. Uh, why not take these guys out in a seven-run game in the, the seventh, eighth, ninth inning? Not only just to give your bench guys some work, which is basically the only way they're going to get into a game these days, but also, like I said, to you know not – put these guys out here in a situation to get injured in a, a blowout game. Again, I don't, I don't want to harp on it too much. I, I'm not overly upset about it. I'm not upset about it in, at all, but it just, again, I feel like the Braves have had a lot of these blowout wins lately, and they're just keeping the starters in there throughout the entire game, especially just got Nicky Lopez. Don't you want to get him into a game and get him out there? 
uh, with a new team. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand that part of it. Look, I'm fine. You want to let them start every game and they want to, then whatever. I, I'm over that at this point. Not that I've ever, I've ever really thought it was a bad thing, but I am over it to the, at the point that it's just going to happen. It's going to be what it's going to be. But in these blowout wins, why not get Forrest Wall out there who hasn't played since hardly since coming up, had a couple of pinch run appearances? Why not get Nicky Lopez a shot out there in the field? That, to me, I just don't understand quite as much. And then finally, I did want to talk about Yanni Chirinos in this game. Five-plus innings, six hits, a walk, three earned, five strikeouts. Faced two bar- batters to start the sixth inning. Both were in, one an infield single, one a shot by Otani for a single. I thought he was good. Only eight whiffs on 43 swings. He doesn't have that swing and miss stuff, but he did get five strikeouts, four of those on splitters below the zone. I think they kept saying that those were sliders on the broadcast, but um, they were registering as splitters on Baseball Savant. Seven whiffs on 18 swings against that splitter. I told you that splitter is his best pitch. It's a pitch he's really started to go more to even going back to this final couple of outings with the Rays, it's a pitch he's really started to focus on more. The only strike, only other strikeout he had, it was on a 3-2 sinker below the zone that probably should have been ball four, but it's a 9-1 game. You got to swing at that pitch. Uh, he has a good pitch mix to be good. You got a slider with some breakdown in a way. You got a splitter with some straight down drop, and you got a sinker that's going in on righty. So you got three pitches all kind of moving downward, so you should get a lot of weak contact and ground balls this way all moving in different directions. You know, not too different to what Bryce Elder's doing, but again, he's got to get that ball down. You saw the hit he gave up to Otani earlier in the game was a splitter that stayed up. They got absolutely crushed. Lucky that stayed in the ballpark. So he has a pitch mix to be an effective pitcher. You worry about him that third time through, which is when he got yanked in this one after giving up the two hits in the sixth inning after going to the top of the lineup for a third time. So again, I think there's an ability for him there maybe to be a solid fifth starter that can get you through a lineup two times and hopefully get you through five innings. I think there's also a case we made that maybe he takes over for Tonkin as a long reliever at some point. Tonkin's kind of, he's been great all year, but I think maybe he's taken a step back here as of late in that long reliever role. So encouraging outing for Torinos. And again, I like the pitch mix. I think he has the ability to be good. I think there's also the chance, you know, neither he or Tonkin are on the postseason roster, but either way, he was good on, on Wednesday, help the Braves get a win. We'll see if he earns him another start in the rotation. I think it probably will. All right, next, I want to go back over our Through the League Thursday segment, go through our July leaders, both team and player-wise. We'll discuss that next. Are you using the Sleeper app for Daily Fantasy Baseball yet? I've been telling you about them. If you're not, you should be. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world, and you want to 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball. Sleeper is now offering up to a 100-time payout for up to an eight-pick contest. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Braves will be back in action on Friday night or Friday afternoon, rather, at 12, uh, 2.20 p.m. Eastern as they play the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley. The Braves will face old friend Dansby Swanson for the first time. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Braves. 
All right, it's our Thursday through the league segment here. We'll start by going through each division. The Braves are 69 and 37, 6 and 4 in their last 10 games. They're up 12 games on the Phillies, who are 58 and 50, 12 and a half games on the Marlins, who are 58 and 51. Uh, the Mets are 50 and 57, and the Nats are 46 and 63. You go to the AL East, pretty much every other division is a tight race that's set for the Braves, which will be fun to watch down the stretch. And the AL East, you got the Orioles up a game and a half on the Rays. The Twins are up two games on the Guardians in the AL Central. In the AL West, the Rangers are just up a half a game on the Astros. That's going to be a fun battle down the stretch, especially with the moves they made at the deadline. And the AL Wild Card, you got the Rays, Astros, and Blue Jays in those three wild card spots. And then you got the Red Sox two and a half games back, the Yankees three and a half back, as well as the Mariners, and then the Angels four games back. In the NL Central, the Reds up just a half game on the Brewers. The Cubs, who the Braves are about to play, are just three games back. Cubs and Reds have another game on Thursday. That'll be fun to watch. In the NL West, the Dodgers are up two and a half games on the Giants now as the Diamondbacks have slid back some. In the NL Wild Card, it's the Giants, Phillies, and then Miami and Milwaukee are tied for that last spot at the moment. Arizona's just one game back. The Cubs are just two and a half games back. And then the Padres are four games back. So tight races everywhere except for the NL East. Makes for a lot of fun baseball here in August and September. Really enjoying watching a lot of these other games uh, right now with all these tight contests that you have. All right, I know we're a couple days into August, but I wanted to go back to July and give you the league leaders for the month of July, both team-wise and player-wise. The Braves were 13-10 and 10 in July. Obviously got off to a hot start, carrying over from June, then a little bit of a rough start out of the All-Star break, and then picked it up there at the end. But a 13-10 and 10 month, so a winning month. Only 23 games, so keep that in mind when we're looking at some of these stats for the month of July. The Braves only played 23 games. You had a lot of teams played 25, 26. Some even played 27, so keep that in mind. Team-wise, as far as average goes, all these stats will be team uh, stats here. Average, Boston led with 284. Braves played them in July. St. Louis, 275. Miami, 272. Braves just a 259 team average in the month of July. But OPS, Braves led all of baseball in July at 822. Red Sox, 815. The Dodgers, 813. Home runs, Braves led there. 47 home runs in the month of July. 41 from the Angels and 40 from the Astros. ERA, San Diego had a 3.25 team ERA, Toronto 3.27, Seattle 3.35. The Braves almost a full run higher than that at 4.37. So pitching staff, as we know, has not been great here in the month of July or was not great in the month of July. Whip leaders, Seattle 1.12, Rays 1.14, Milwaukee 1.16, and the Braves were at 1.31. So again, pitching not great. Uh, strikeout leaders, you have Milwaukee at 255, the Padres at two, and Mariners at 247. Braves all the way down at 195, and over 40 of those coming from Spencer Strider. Now moving to the player side of things, I thought this was pretty cool. The average leaders for the month of July, Wilson Contreras led all hitters at 429. Granted, he only played 17 games, but William Contreras, his brother, 365, had the second highest average in the month of July. And then Freddie Freeman and Kyle Tucker both had a 359 average. OPS leaders for the month of July, Wilson Contreras, 1282. Tristan Casas for the Red Sox, 1200. Otani, 1152. Freddie Freeman, 1119. Kyle Tucker, 1123. And Matt Olson, 1093. Home runs in July, Machado had 11, Muncie, Otani, and Austin Riley all had nine, and then Olsen and four others had eight. 
RBI leaders in July, Machado had 29, Justin Turner 28, Bellinger 24, Arenado, McCormick, and Tucker 23, and then Olsen had 22 and Riley had 21. ERA leaders in July, Blake Snell, he's really pushing for that NL Cy Young. He had a 0.56 ERA in July. Uh, Barrios had a 1.84, Burns 1.85. Braves were lucky to miss Burns in those two series. They played the Brewers. Uh, Kodai Senga, who the Braves haven't seen this year yet either, but possibly will here in a couple weeks. He had a 1.93 ERA in July. Evaldi 1.96. Braves top ERA leaders, Morton at 3.15 and Strider at 3.73. Whip leaders for July, Corbin Burns 0.72, Cole 0.80, Senga 0.86, Luis Castillo 0.89, and Zach Wheeler 0.92. Strider had a 1.02 whip in the month of July, and Strider led all of baseball with 53 strikeouts. Sorry, I said 40 a minute ago. He had over 50 strikeouts in July. Uh, so 53 strikeouts for Strider in July. Glass now had 51, but he had one more start than Strider in the month of July. Corbin Burns had 47, and Pavetta and Joe Ryan had 43. So those were your league leaders for the month of July. I want to make sure I go back and do the monthly recap there. Next week, I'll probably do give an update on the awards, where those stand right now, who's your leader for the MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and all that. I'll likely do that on next week's Thursday through the league segment. I got a little bit of news to get to from a Wednesday after the game, including a big ace coming back to the mound in Max Freed. We'll discuss that next. All right, so Max Freed is officially coming back on Friday. It'll be a day game against the Cubs. He's got really good numbers against the Cubs. So really looking forward to him coming back. Obviously, I love what Max Freed has done over his career, and I Going back to the beginning of the season before he got hurt, had a little bit of bad luck as he typically does with batted ball luck. He gives up a lot of weak contact, sometimes gives up a lot of weak hits, but I, I thought it was some of the best pitching I have seen Max Freed do in a Braves uniform in a Major League Baseball game. So I'm hoping he gets back to that. I'm sure he's going to be a little bit rusty, take him some time to get back to that level of pitching, but it's one of the biggest keys for the Braves. There's no doubt coming down the stretch here, I said it from the very beginning of the season. You know, the, the biggest key to the Braves winning a World Series is having Spencer Strider and Max Freed healthy come postseason time. Braves didn't make a big trade for a starter at the deadline. Again, I don't know that there was really anything out there other than Scherzer or Verlander that they could have done, and those you know, weren't going to happen for the Braves. So it really comes down to Strider and Freed. Can they be co-aces at the top of this rotation? Can they be healthy and ready to go for the postseason if they are? With the offense the Braves have, feel really good about their chances of going deep in the postseason and possibly winning another World Series. So something I'll be keeping my eye on as, as Max Freed returns. Obviously just excited to see him pitch again, but want to see how quickly he can get back to being that ace level. We'll see that begin on Friday in Chicago. Cubs have been really hot here lately as well. Talk more about that on tomorrow's uh, mailbag podcast, previewing that series. But they just absolutely crushed the Reds these last two games on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, scored, I believe, 15 unanswered runs on uh, Wednesday to come back and win that game. So the Cubs are really on one right now. And as you know, in Wrigley, if that wind's blowing out, can be a real big challenge for pitchers. So be a good test for Max Reed coming off the IL. We'll see how he can do on Friday. The Braves optioned Ben Heller to AAA. I said the other day that could be one of the moves that the Braves would make as Ben Heller does have options. Charlie Culberson was outrighted and elected free agency. 
We'll likely see if there's a big league job for him out there, and then we could see him come back on a minor league deal. So love Charlie Culberson. Again, I hope he stays around in this organization once he decides to hang it up, which maybe it'll be after this year. I don't know. But uh, either way, love Charlie Culberson. I hope he's able to first and foremost find some playing time somewhere. But if not, I hope he just comes back and hangs out in the Braves organization because he just seems like a great guy, great clubhouse uh, guy as well. So I'd uh, love to have him around if the Braves can. But just not good enough to be on this Braves roster right now, unfortunately, as much as I love the person. He really has no business being on the major league lineup at this moment. So that's some of your news from Wednesday. Again, looking forward to the matchup on Friday. Make sure that you're ready for our Mailbag Friday podcast. Be thinking of your questions that you want to ask there. The Braves will be back in action on Friday at 2.20 p.m. Eastern as they play the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley. You'll have Max Freed coming off the IL, facing old friend Dansby Swanson, so you don't want to miss that. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. Follow me at Shorts.Ball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Locked On Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 